chaos comes, it's a chance to be initiated. You know, thinking that the United States and its ideas in church have come closest to reflecting reality is like thinking Iceland is the basketball capital of the world. It's actually a psychological disorder. F-O-M-O. Fear of missing out. When a man becomes who he was made to be by God, every day is adventure. This is the Hamsons podcast. Hosted by yours truly and that other guy. And you are you, <laughs> the listener. <laughs> now they're all oriented. It is the week after Thanksgiving, and you in the future know how it went. But us in the past have an idea of how that will go. And we know a few things. We know that the pumpkin pie will be better the day after. And we know that you will really like the first two glasses of wine as much as you thought, but not the third as much as you thought (laughs) if you're a third glass of wine person. Mm. Uh, And that it will be wonderful and that it will be full of people. I don't know that we know it will be wonderful (laughs) for everyone, but that's very gracious of you. For some of you, it's going to be a shit show. It will be stressful. That Regardless. You will have to navigate stress. Yeah. Actually, Susie was reeling me in the other day because I've got this eight-year-old part of my heart that was about 400 yards down the field ahead of me running with <laughs> abandon towards Thanksgiving. <laughs> and she was like, I just, she's working Thanksgiving, past tense. She worked Thanksgiving and future tense. I know that it's fun. going to be tough. Because in, in the past, in the past years, I remember when that. she works, I have all these, like, I have, I just, I have high expectations. I, I have dreams. I have desires for them. And then the day itself is often more real. And the kids don't nap. They get exhausted. They get cranky. I just want to be an eight-year-old again and not have to worry about any of this stuff. Here's a, a super helpful piece of advice for you in the middle of the holiday season that Em and I found it to be really useful. You have to really apply your military strategic mind and create multiple targets. Meaning, Thanksgiving was your last week. Your grandmother is not a target. Th- Thanksgiving was last week. Christmas is coming up. And I'll say that my ultimate desire in Advent and Christmas is holiness, the presence of God, plenty, joy, like some some abiding sense. You have better desires than I have. I just want to like have everybody chill out. I don't want to think about work and I want to have that third glass of wine. Well, you would name it that way, but I would think you're still wanting shalom when you're just putting different words on it. Well, you'd name it that way. (laughs) You're like, so you want a sense of peace in which the world is basically well. Um. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, what Emma and I have found very helpful is to go, God, somewhere in the next four weeks, we want the experience, the celebration of the generosity of your incarnation. Like we want a sense that everything is well and there is peace. Is that what you mean by shalom or the generosity of the incarnation? That's what I mean by shalom. What do you mean by the generosity of the incarnation? I just mean that part of what we're anticipating, you know, part of the 
desire right around Christmas is that you could wake up and the world would be different and that by sort of the Passover of a kind of magic, yeah, totally. the world would be made fresh again. Right. And That's I why think, like December 26th is the most disappointing day of the year. Like highly depressing. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> changed. And, and I go, all of that is represented in the incarnation. Like what you want, and yes, very few of us have actually gotten over Santa Claus, but what you want is the magic of the incarnation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, going back to... Targets. Multiple targets say, God, you can do that anywhere in the next four weeks. Christmas Day doesn't have to be great. Christmas Eve doesn't have to be great. But somewhere between here and Christmas, we just are keeping ourselves available to an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, because all of a sudden it just goes, if all the enemy has to do is oppose one day, that is not hard. Mm, human, that feels pretty vulnerable. Oh my gosh. It's like, there are so many points of ac- unfinished things in me that I'm like, if everything hung on an afternoon, I'm pretty sure the enemy could get me to tank it. Okay, Blaine, everything does hang on an afternoon on this afternoon. Oh. <laughs> oh. Every day. But what about now? But what about this day, God? That's cool. Is this the past or the future? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think there's sometimes where that is actually how I'm operating. It's not even like Christmas or Thanksgiving. It's literally like, why did today get hard? You bailed today. And that that just has to be named because sometimes that's there. And it it up and it does feel vulnerable. It feels very like, oof. Oh, but I, so I, you know, I've got one evening a week. I think like you have too that sometimes happens and sometimes doesn't, that is like Mm -hmm. time for me. It was originally framed as time with God, but that had too much pressure on it. And then I was using it to get projects done. And I've just, now I've reframed it as like... Uh, I would just go play video games. Oh, I've reframed it as playtime. I'm like, I'm going to do things like just for the enjoyment. (laughs) And if that's going and riding a bike... so embarrassing. If that's going painting, if that's, you know, seeing if some friends want to grab a beer or a cigar, like... But anyway. Interesting that you had to dial it down from like high stakes performance. Must have like great moment with God one time a week. And it still doesn't work every week. Right. So what I have to do this afternoon, because we're recording on a Monday, is go, um, God, sometime this week, I need that experience of relief. I'm not caring people. I'm benevolently detached. I'm playing. Mm. While I'll be, you know, pressing into that tonight... You can bring it whenever. Yeah, so your your term was multiple targets, meaning it's not just the day itself, but it can be a range. Yes. And I think just the, the words that come to me is a broadening of the target for God to hit rather than sort of spreading our assets around. Like there's there's a wide place it feels like is the bullseye now. If it's going to be all of December or all of this week, there's going to be a moment. Like that's actually a much kinder ask. It makes you feel much less vulnerable. That's good. Oh, wow. wow. This is not at all where it's supposed to be going today, but this is what the Holy Spirit's doing. So anyway, um, Susie had to reel me in back to that piece. And that was one of like the things for me going into the holidays of, of like that. It's okay to be aware of the things that your heart's doing on the front end and maybe name some of those things because they're going to help uh, you know, me naming that I'm excited, that I want it to be full of shalom, that I want it to feel easy. 
allowed me to name that there are younger places in me that are still craving that rather than it feeling silly or foolish or just normal. It was like, oh no, there, there are places that need tending to, which is more to the point of this podcast. And the Boom. day itself reveals some more as well. Like when I get disappointed because it was chaotic or if I felt abandoned, even though I knew that Susie was working, but somehow I feel alone in parenting and then and it just starts going down. Like it feels like there's a rabbit hole there. And the truth is there kind of is a rabbit hole. That's a perfect segue. You're welcome. Because this is what happens when I know what podcasts we're talking about. The starting place is how do you feel when, and let's say it's eight o'clock at night and you had this thing planned or everyone was going to gather together and like sing some carols, but somebody's kid blew up and... Literally. <laughs> somebody's kid exploded. <laughs> there was like a meltdown. Wouldn't that be crazy too? Yes. Our language around these things is so graphic. Really? <laughs> yeah, really yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And it didn't happen. And how do you feel? Here is the wonderful tool we have in our hands is you shall know them by their fruit. And Dallas Willard has a pretty alarming observation where he says, your system is perfectly designed to get the result you're getting. Just reflect on that one, Sam, for a second of like... Your system is perfectly designed to get you what you're getting. How's your small group going? But you could go, your small group is perfectly designed to produce the, re the results that your small group produces. Yeah, that feels a little circular to me. There's another quote about there's no such thing as something being good or something being neutral or something being bad. Transburg. Like, Ugh, get out of here, Transburg. Um, <laughs> okay, well, let's put an asterisk. Dallas Willard's piece is just a little bit of like, like, hello. Like, there's not something there. There's deeper things going on there. If you just want it, you can't just blame the results. Many, and I would say yes. So, returning to the feelings, many of your feelings are the natural result of many of the beliefs you actually hold about the world. The way you feel is the natural result of what you believe. And there's a lot of grace around this. As soon as we get into this territory, you know, we got to grapple with Romans. And I know. I don't do what I do and go, right, right, no, we're not. I know. We're not saying like you think you believe that God is your father, but actually you're a terrible person. It's no, going, no, no, no. But actually, you have places in you of deep-seated abandonment that get reared up when you feel abandoned. That get triggered, and that is an opportunity. Right. Oh, that you show no things by their fruit. The uh, litmus test that Jesus gave us is like, it's just a thing I run around with now. It's just, it's such a helpful tool when we can justify certain behavior because it sounds good, but you look at the fruit of it. Um, an example that comes to mind is my sister-in-law once told my wife that there's no such th thing as truth when it's spoken outside of love. Oh, yeah. Like it, it no longer is truth if it's spoken in anything other than love. And you're like, nah, nah, man, there's like empirical truths though. And it's like, wait, 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 in relationships, in bringing things to other people, what my sister-in-law was acknowledging was that they're like the fruit of a quote-unquote truth is horrible when it's not spoken in love 
In fact, it's damaging. In fact, the words themselves get lost and twisted and even become revolting when spoken in spite or to do damage or in hatred. Like it's no longer, it's yes. no longer doing what it was intended to do. It's no longer being what it is. And it was just like this moment, this aha moment for us of like, oh, right. Like things are not a math equation. People are not a math equation. And facts even sometimes aren't a math equation when you throw in the fruit piece. It's a very, oh my gosh, it's so, anyway, oh, it's helpful. That is so significant. That's also significant here in our sort of holiday-esque conversation. This is how the philosophers would put it. There's no separation between fact and value. The world wants to say, I'm just saying facts. And it's like, no, no, no. Facts are deeply interwoven with value, Hmm. right, wrong, love, hate. And so you can't just talk about like, I'm just saying that uh, there are some things that I see in your parenting that are (laughs) harming your kids. And go, how different from like, Hmm. let's say a mentor come out and going like, how is parenting going? Sometimes it feels like there's a lot of stress on you or like you feel like it's all up to you. How's it, right? And what you're saying is those two people are actually not saying the same thing. Not at all. They're saying things that are fundamentally in their nature different. Yep. Reeling back, you shall know things by their fruit. There's a tool, I'm pretty sure it's a Jeff Vanderstelt tool. It's called the root fruit tool. How it works is how you feel is a result of what you believe to a certain extent. And you can sort of go, I mean, you can practice this. You can get into this by like having a conversation about everything the Bible says about God the Father. And you're like, he is taking care of your tomorrow. He is totally present. He's waiting for the slightest, you know, inclination of your heart towards him, at which point he will run to greet you Mm. and go, and then go like, wow, what would your life look like if you believed that and you can start naming like oh joy relief i would turn my heart to the father Mm -hmm. and then you would go are you doing those things and i have to on most days go sometimes Mm. but not all the time and so right there must be some places of wounding and unbelief and immaturity that don't believe that i've had moments with with that kind of theology type orientation i mean a big piece of morgan's intensive is around sonship and it's around like how would you actually move and operate and feel if you believed and operated as a son who has the full access to inheritance and power and initiation and all of those things are going to be met how would you actually start acting the shoulders in the room like the tension releases there's this settling there's like oh my gosh it would change everything you're like, great. Are you able to hold on to that for more than 30 seconds? Yes. So there's been moments for me where I've held out those those mental, like, I know this to be true, but I'm, I don't feel like I walk in it very often. Particularly, an example comes to mind where I'm going up on stage and going to give a response or give a talk or something. And I'll have these moments where I feel like I have nothing. What am I doing? This is the worst choice ever. And I'll have that little voice go, what if you operated for the next five to 30 minutes, however long you're going to be doing this, as though you were a son of God and he was standing right behind you. Like in in a way that's not a head knowledge, but in like a full embodiment, here you are. I'm like, oh, well, then I wouldn't worry about how this goes. I wouldn't feel like it was up to me. I'd feel totally equipped 
And actually, I'd feel like kind of playful. And then the invitation is, so go do it like that. Yes. It's huge. So this is a thing that sometimes can take a long time to work through, and then you can get good at it. And so sort of here's how it works. Why it's three trees, and that model is helpful, is you start with, like, you have you have your own experience. And we're going to start fruit and then work earthward. We're going to work through the branches to the trunk down to the roots. And let's go to, it is uh, our family vacation this year. We're in Oregon. Um, but because of, like, some of the flawed defaults in my personality, I, like, did the budget everything. And so we roll into a part of the Oregon coast that's nice, but not not two-year-old friendly. And to an Airbnb that's really okay, but not, like it would have been fine if I was traveling by myself, uh, but not good for three people. And How did renting that rickshaw work out for you? Uh, not good. Um, and after one day, it has become very clear, this is not going to work. This is not going to produce, like, rest. Everybody's stressed. So it's nighttime. I go to take a walk by myself on the beach, and I'm walking, and I'm feeling so mad. But then I think, I go, oh, I have the presence of mind in this case to go, what, what is the fruit right now? I'm like, I feel angry, res- resigned, resentful of God. And then I'll go, okay, why? And I begin working down to... What are some of the convictions that compose what I'm going to call the trunk of the tree or like some of the underlying experiences? And one is like, you know, um, like you always do this. It always goes this way. You don't care about our Sabbath. Like it's up to me and I'm blowing it. Um, And then I'll go to like, okay, so how would I name the agreement like the, the unbelief at, at, that's at the root. And I'm like, um, you just don't care, Father. This really, I really am on my own. Okay, so that's, that is the tree of darkness mm. of like, oh, I have an agreement with evil that this is up to me and I'm on my own. Let's not call it a tree of darkness if we can <laughs> name them. Let's call it the tree of revealing wounding and agreements. Yes. And it's a fairly big tree. It's yes. one that I use quite a lot. Yeah, right? So in the three trees, be, you know, because you kind of have to be, it's kind of Sunday schooly. but the middle tree mm-hmm. is the cross of Jesus. <laughs> and the only reason it's there. Our little felt boards that appear. The only crazy. reason it's there is to give you like a mental picture to go, think through the first tree and then go, okay, now what is the story that is told about me in Jesus? And it's like, well, I know because of Jesus that like the Father is completely for me, has sought me wherever I have gone, is completely committed. Mm-hmm. And so like when I look at Jesus, the story there, I can just go like, listen, I know that that's true. And I know that my agreement is untrue, even if it doesn't feel that way. So then I can go, okay, I break agreement that it's all up to me and the Father doesn't care. Like I ask your forgiveness, God, for the permission I've given my enemy to operate here, I renounce it. Mm -hmm. Then I go to tree number three, which is what should be the base conviction in my life with the father and go like, okay, um, I'm a son, which means that I know the father intimately. He is invested in my well-being and going to walk this out with me. And then begin working up, go like, 
And so he totally cares about our, my family. And he will lead me, like help show, walk with me through figuring out I am blowing this vacation, but it's not too late. And then I get up to the top and I'm like, what would I do if I actually believed that? I would like pray a bit and go like to get a sense of, um, should we should we move towns? But I already actually know. I'm like, we have to move towns. Hmm. And I would move towns. I would book a different place in a better area. And even though it looked expensive, I'd be like, if I believed about the Father, this is what I would do for my family in our vacation. And, you know, that's a 40-minute process condensed into a couple minutes here. Book a different place, move towns. Jesus totally rescues the vacation. Yeah, it's beautiful. There's so many times where I've done the same thing, like I did mentioned in the the speaking example, where knowing, having the good teaching, which is what you call the second tree, is the thing that you're able to go, no, no, I know this is true. And I know that what I am believing, when I finally name it, when I let the words come out, does not align with what I know to be true. And that alone is very helpful. Because if you don't, if you don't know the story, if you don't know what the, what is said about you, we have had times where what is said about us is hanging behind our calendar. There's like this list of who Jesus and what the Bible says you are to God. And that's very helpful because then every time you hear like, I'm orphaned, or I'm alone or shameful, all those things, you're like, it feels so true. It's helpful to have those pieces. And I also feel myself going to a place of, I don't want it just to be head knowledge. I don't want it just to be like, this is what I experience, but that's what they, it says. And therefore I'm going to switch to that. Though many, many, many times that is the piece. I think there's this part of me that, I mean, I live in an experiential world and the enemy seems like he's got no problem giving us his experiences. And so there have been times where it is really helpful to have those Ebenezer's of like, I have these memories and I'm going to practice remembering moments when God came through. For Susie and I, we did this trip years and years ago that we wrote about in one of the earlier editions of Anson's. We went and climbed Kilimanjaro and it was amazing. And on one of the days before we were, we were in country for like a week or more, we went on this safari and it was in one of those um, just open protected areas. We, we did this crater where we're sort of like going to the zoo because there's, you can see animals from one side to the other. Being out in the actual bush was amazing and you're just not guaranteed to see things. So when you do, it feels so much better. And we had the just lavish gift of God where we got to see three cheetah. We got to see them take down a wildebeest and it was like spectacular. Like the stuff you see on National Geographic. You saw them take down a wildebeest? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And wow. like our guide was losing his mind. He was like, tell me you got this recorded. We could sell this to National Geographic. <laughs> like you guys, you are the luckiest clients. Like you, it's really rare to see kills. It's really rare to see this happen and sort of see these three. And for Susie and I, that became like our personal name for God. He is the three cheetah God. Mm -hmm. He's a God who is personal and lavish and extravagant. And it was that, that experience for us fell into that, that second tree in your metaphor. Yes. Where we were able to go, I don't just know this because I've read about it. I know this because you have been very personal with it. And I'm able to go, this past summer was really hard for our family. And 
there was a lot of it feeling like it was up to us intervening for our kids in a lot of different ways. And in those moments, we forgot. We totally forgot. But there would be times where Susie and I would be like, no, 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 no. There is only one story. Like it is still the same story. And he is still the three cheated God, which means his heart for us isn't just goodness, it's lavish goodness. Yes. And that having that experience was a lot easier for me to make that transition back into like the third tree. I'm just like, yeah, maybe it's working for you. Maybe the tree thing's working for you. It's not totally working for me, but I'm going to keep referring to it because that's what we've thrown out there. There's one tree on the wall there. It, there is maybe a, we can use a, that. Yeah, it's just the frameworks of thinking. That's so brilliant. There's an action item here, which is um, before going into a season that's really, that can be really charged or booby-trapped. AKA the holidays. The holidays. The, the one that just year. passed and all of December. Uh, get your journal. Get an hour. And what are those cheetah things? After my horse died, I actually had to like spend some time really intentionally going, this is not the most true thing in the world. And go... The most true thing is that the boy who wanted to be a cowboy got that horse. That's what God is like. And I went into what my life with that horse was like and just all these things that went, what is God's heart like? That is what God's heart is like. This can be super fun to do with your core dudes uh, or if you're married with your spouse and your core dudette. Your core <laughs> dudette. And, or let's just acknowledge, or for you lady listeners, Busted. (laughs) (laughs) We know you're there. Your hubby. Um, Like, but kind of to go, where have we seen, what are the things that have like shown us God's heart? Mm. And get that down. He's the God. When we couldn't pay bills, your uncle called and said, hey, I'm getting rid of a car. Can I sell it to you cheap? Like, he's the God of, in a really lonely season, We found that walk that we loved to do Mm -hmm. and beauty nourished us. And, you know, he's the God of when we had just moved states, we met that couple who. Right. There's probably a thousand examples. A thousand that are like. you sit with it. That are the treasures of your life with God. If you read the magazine, I built a shed in my backyard to be a gathering space, home office, time away thing. And. The single most difficult thing was getting a wood stove. And especially in the state of Colorado, there's a cult-like wood stove following. People who are wood stove people, especially old cast iron, not gas-powered, old wood stoves. It's like one of these little worlds you don't know exists until you you stoke, like, poke your head in there. You open the forums and, like, people know what every model is and they know what the iron is. And so when they come up for sale, they just like vanish. So it took me, I think, eight months to get one. Mm -hmm. And when I finally did, it was one of those. You had to kill a guy. I had to kill a guy. It was one of those last minute. I was like, I was going to the horses and I thought, hey, before I go, let me just jump on Craigslist one more time. And one had just popped up and I was the first one. And I have to look at my wood stove with just kind of this as it's a reminder to me of what is God's heart? Like, mm-hmm. what is the, the father's heart like for me? That is the father's heart. It was the most beautiful, playful, on time. And like, and I go to get it. And like, the whole story was fun and funny and personal 
even though there were sort of eight months of looking that, that were fruitless to go, that is who God is. Yeah, that's good. You said this thing the other weekend. Um, it was profound, not on the podcast, but at the homecoming event. You said if in the day-to-day when there's things falling through the cracks, you you begin to wonder, why doesn't God seem to come through more often for the things that don't seem to matter very much? And it seems to me like those eight months leading up to the cast iron stove would have been rife with opportunity to be feeling that. And not everybody has the words to put to the pain underneath in that way that you did, but something else that this fruit slash root tool is really helpful for is intervening for others because it may be really hard to know what's going on underneath the surface when you are having like the fruit type emotions, especially in close relationships, you get to like witness firsthand the pain, angst, disappointment, abandonment, all of those things. And if you were able to step back for a second and on their behalf, invite them into what's below the surface, like don't just run around trying to treat the symptoms. Don't throw like, well, I'm so sorry you disappointed. Like, do you want to go see a movie? Like we can fix this. We can, we can recover this. But instead invite like, what's, what's beneath that? What's the, what's the message that you're hearing? What's the, and invite down deeper because typically almost always is going to be either a wound or an agreement that's feeling that whole thing. And those opportunities are actually beautiful moments and opportunities for healing to come there rather than just more disappointment or more unmet expectations or, or whatever. So I've got this a is a tool to use for other people. Yeah, that's such a good point. Pro tip. Usually, you know, when you've gotten like into the real root category to the root of the issue, when it becomes about God. And so, recent experience, friend gets off the phone with her mom and is so like deeply like heart troubled. And it felt like in the moment, it was one of the things where I'm like, oh God, I, I can, I know you well enough to know that it feels like you're going to move here and um, and it was, what's going on? And well, I, I think that just my mom, my mom is just never going to get me. And which you could stop there, but it's not about God yet. And go, and this feels like a callous question, but what we did is go like, and, and why does that bother you? Um, and it was like, isn't that self-evident? But go, no, why does that bother you? And I went into like, I'll never get what my, what, like, I'll never know a mother's heart. Mm. And it was like, okay, here we go. Um, Now we're in the territory of your mom will never know you and that will take something from you forever. And to go, well, can God give it to you? And it's like, we're not talking, this can sound abstract, but go, um, get to the root of the conviction. My mom will never get me. Go a layer deeper and I'll never experience the love of a mom. And go, okay, well, let's look at the world in Jesus where even when the people who are meant to be the carriers of the promise, I mean, you can, let's look at the nation of Israel, the family, who are the carriers of the promise of God to the world, when they completely fail and are taken into captivity and they're literally all gone uh, and occupied, God doesn't let that stop 
the gift coming to the world, but comes himself to do personally what he can also do through people and go, I break the agreement that I'll never experience the love of a mom. And, whoa, I break the agreement um, that, like, that God doesn't care about this place, won't come here, and then go, what would it be like, let's look at that story where God can do for you personally what he can also do through people and go, if God could actually mother you, how would you feel and how would you act? Like, what would be the response? And in that case, it was as simple as like, are you willing to ask God to mother you? If you believed that God would, would you ask God to? Um, and it was like, okay, we had gained that much territory. So God, I pray that you who, I mean, even Jesus describes himself in feminine language. Like when he says, I have longed to gather you like a mother hen gathers her chicks. And we've gotten into the mother heart of God before, but like God has a mother heart in addition to having a father heart, in addition to having a brother heart. Um, and on and on. Part of the complexity of why it takes all of humanity to reflect God. Yes. And to go, um, great. So God, I ask you to mother me. Then, because I know this person, I can go, it starts happening. Like the door is open. Um, so you can do it for others, but coming all the way back around to it's the holiday season. Here is the opportunity is sort of like watch your heart and um are you feeling daily anxiety? Why? Why? Unpack it and then unpack it to what you think is going to happen. Are you living under a sense of doom? Is God going to, and then compare it to the story in Jesus and there's probably an opportunity to break agreements. But any other common experiences you would add to the? Yeah, I mean, I would just say be willing to name what you're feeling, even if it's just to yourself, whether that's disappointment or joy. And then ask why and follow that, the fruit of things, because you're just hit with the fruit of things all day long, but particularly in seasons where that gets dialed all the way up. So even now that we've like, Thanksgiving is just behind us. What are you doing with the emotions after that? Are you doing with the longing, the pain? And are you asking why? And you following that down to the root. 